Hello and welcome to our Medicine 360 podcast. My name is Vinay Mandagari. I'm a junior doctor at Bristol uh, and I'm here with Ricky Masindo. Ricky Masindo is a medical student and stand-up comedian here in Bristol, performing all across the UK, opening up for the likes of Russell Howard and Nathan Caton. He also has a podcast where he interviews comics such as Jimmy Carr, James Acaster, John Richardson and Nish Kumar called Oh Captain My Captain. Give it a listen. Brilliant. Um, So Ricky, pleasure to have you here. It's good to be here, Benai. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your career as a medic and a stand-up comedian. Um, wow, that's a big question. I mean, first of all, can I just say I love your podcasting voice? It is so, like, (laughs) it's so, like, creamy. Like, I love podcasts, so that is literally the kind of thing I want to listen to. Um, my career as a medic and a comedian. So, I'm a fourth-year medic, but I'm in my fifth year of uni because I intercalated last year in neuroscience. Mm. Um, but I've been doing stand-up comedy since basically just before COVID. So, since about like November 2019. That was when my first gig was, or maybe a bit earlier. And since then, uh, it's kind of just gotten crazy and it's taken off kind of by accident. But um, that that kind of happened because uh, COVID happened. So there was no real places in the UK that were doing comedy except for Bristol and Lakota, um, the nightclub that everyone knows, turned into kind of a comedy club. And a lot of comedians would come down and perform because it was the only place they were able to do comedy in a big venue because it was outside. So that was um, basically gave me the opportunity to perform with some of the best comedians in the UK while doing it in my own backyard, basically. And then how exactly has it been being a balancing your medical studies alongside stand up comedy? Well, what I found interesting is when I first started doing stand up before it was a big part of my life, like I basically just let it go to the wayside because I was like, medicine matters so much more mm-hmm. and I can't spend time doing the silly yuck yuck thing because... Silly wow, yuck yuck thing. Silly yuck yuck, yuck thing. Yuck. That's how I thought about it in my yeah. head. Because medicine is the most important thing. But then COVID happened and I took time off medicine to do another degree and I basically reevaluated and realised that no, medicine isn't everything and I want to dedicate time to this thing that I enjoy. Okay, so now looking back at it all, do you see medicine as a hindrance or, or a boon to your creativity? Um, I love the usage of the word boon, first of all, <laughs> but it's a tough one because I think different people are creative in different ways. Um, I would say I write the best when I have nothing to do. When my mind is just able to wander and I have, and I'm bored basically, because then I start thinking about, I start thinking about like strange things and strange ideas and then I start writing. So in a way for me, medicine is a bit of a hindrance to my creativity, but at the same time, what medicine has allowed me to do is it's given me a work ethic towards writing and creativity that a lot, I feel a lot of comedians not that they don't have it because that sounds horrifically condescending, but that if you're a comedian, you have no incentive to work hard necessarily because yeah. if you're making people laugh, you don't really need to do loads of writing or whatever. But for me, 
because I don't have that much time. My yeah. time is basically precious any time that I have an ability to write. So it means I have to make the most of it and like almost schedule in writing sessions, basically. Know so many stand-up comedians that are doctors. Yeah, but you have Harry Hill, you have Ken Jong. Yeah. Um, you have even another comedian in Bristol who now works next to Reardon DJ. He oh, was yeah, yeah. doing com- um, comedy at the same time as me. Even one of the people in my year group just did her first gig um, a few days ago. So it's like, there are like professional comedians on the, on the circuit who are working doctors. And that's the strangest thing that everyone just gets used to there being doctors. There's even this female comic, her name is Maddie. She has a TikTok, I wish I could plug it because she's hilarious. She is an ST4, I think last time I checked yeah. in emergency medicine. Yeah. And I met her at this gig in Mr. Wolf's and she's driving down from Manchester to do stand-up. And now she has a TikTok where she basically goes through MCQ questions for medical students in a humorous way. Really? Okay, so use of comedy in medical education. Yeah, I, I didn't, to be fair, I haven't really seen that. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, I wish I could remember what it's called, but I'm sure if you're on TikTok and you're a medical student, it would have come on your For You page at some point. And if you yeah. look up on, the, on TikTok MCQ questions or Dr. Comedian, it should come up. Yeah, I mean that that really ties in well with my next question is what why do you think doctors go into comedy? Like you you mentioned Ken Jong, Harry yeah. Hill, there are so many yeah. that you can name who have medical backgrounds. Why do you think why do you think you go into comedy? To be a doctor, you have to have kind of a dark sense. Yeah, 100% kind of agree. A dark yeah, sense yeah. Of humor. yeah. Like in if if anything you have to be a bit numb basically because it's like things that we've seen just think in our first year of uni from day one i held someone's brain in my hand like in anatomy and that's just something that was just normalized to me yeah if you tell anyone else that you've done that that's crazy so it's like you have to have uh an openness to the darker sides of life which i think also helps with with comedy but but i think it's also just the personality types, I guess, as well, of people who go in because comedy is difficult at yeah. the end of the day. It's like it's not not necessarily getting good at it, but literally just going up there and performing. So if you're someone who backs themselves enough to do medicine, then I guess yeah. it makes sense that you back yourself enough to go up at an open mic. Yeah, yeah. I think also one thing is that being a doctor and being a medical student is very performative. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. You know, in our in our medical exams, you, you you have to present patients. The way in which you you examine your patient has to be done with flair. Yeah. And you know, when you tell another doctor about a patient, it has to be presented in a certain way. Yeah. When you in board rounds, you yeah. you present, and there's a there's a like I mentioned, there's a performative it's a element. Performance. Does that help you at all in your in your in your life as a comedian? I think. What the biggest thing actually, comedy has probably helped medicine more than medicine. Okay, right. Because for me, like even today, we had we were in a tutorial and I had to do a cranial nerve exam in front of everyone. Yeah. And before I would have been nervous at that, like that would have made me nervous. I probably wouldn't have shown it on my face because I have a pretty deadpan face. But I would have been nervous. Public speaking is one of the scariest things for a lot of people, and it's scary for me. It's scary loads of people like every time I do a show I'm still nervous and terrified so it's like I perform in front of like 200 people before so now that I've done that the idea of doing an examination in front of 
a family member or a tutorial group is now nothing because the anxiety no longer compares to the levels of anxiety that I felt before. So it's like, like you say, it basically means having performed in my personal life means I'm ready to do the performance of medicine. Yeah. And I always find it incredible that um, there's this sort of this, this common theme when you're presenting to, to other doctors that if you say it with confidence, they respect you a lot more. <laughs> do, 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 have you ever come across this as well? <laughs> I, fi- I do find that funny. Yeah, like, no, I do. I do doctors tend to value confidence and, and the, the performative aspects of the way in which you communicate, for example, someone's illness and the way in which it's presented more than accuracy. That... That's a hilarious statement. But yeah, no, it's true. No, it is definitely true. Like, doctors do definitely care more about, like, the confidence because... The performance of it. The performance is like, like, acting like you back yourself. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you kind of... You kind of have have to. to. It's a ridiculous profession. It's a ridiculous profession that, like, because I did well in chemistry and biology when I was 18, (laughs) I now can be a doctor. But it's like, you just have to have that confidence and self-belief. Yeah, that you can tell someone that they're dying. Exactly. And then, and then the next patient, you can just crack a joke. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. You're, you have to be so many different people just in the space of 10 minutes. Yeah. What do you find funny about British medical courses? What do you find funny about being a medical student? About being a medical student? So... Apart from the self-loathing. The self-loathing. The <laughs> feeling of being useless and in the I... way all the time. <laughs> So I think I find a couple things. So for me, when I say funny, I also interpret it as fascinating. But for me, fascinating things are funny. Is that what people think medical students are and doctors are is completely different to what mm. they actually are. Like, there, there is no... They're, being, they're just people at the end of the day. Yeah. It, but the, it, there's a lot... Doctors are a lot less serious than people think they are. Yeah. Like, being a doctor is more like scrubs than it is, like, house. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, it, it's just incredible. It's just incredible, like, how when you tell people you're a medical student, it must mean you're some diligent, studious person. But mm. in reality, you're, you're not. You're just, that's only a part of your personality. Yeah, doctors are goofier than you think. Yes, yeah. definitely. The goofiness is not something that is well known in the public. No. Imagination of doctors. No, definitely not. Especially... And also, it's it, doctors are goofier, and also doctors have personalities by speciality, yeah. which is another thing that I find funny. Is that you can literally write a character description of every single specialty, and most of the time it will be right because of that. Because a lot of the time the specialties are kind of clubs. The yeah. tribal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tribal. Like if. if like, the two of us would know exactly what we mean if I said, oh, one of my friends, he's a classic orthopod. Yeah. He'd like, we know exactly what that means. Or someone who's a classic psychiatrist. You're a bit of a classic psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> I have an incredibly creamy voice, apparently. Yes, exactly. That's yeah, yeah. Creamy. <laughs> oh. So do you think being a medical student, medical studies, does it change your sense of humour that much? Um, I would say, I don't know if it's, the medicine has changed or my proclivity towards medicine means I like a certain type of humour. So yeah. which one caused that, the other. But I would say, like I said, it's having a dark sense of humour. 
I think because at the end of the day, I think people say dark sense of humor in kind of like a, a bad way. Like you are essentially, you don't care about, you don't care about hurting people's feelings. You don't care about talking about sensitive topics. But at the end of the day, what a dark sense of humor to me is you have an acceptance that life is not all happy and colorful, that there are darker sides to the human mm. experience. Yeah. And just because and one of my favorite quotes about comedy that I heard when I was a child that I've internalized my entire life is that is from the creators of South Park. Yeah. Where people were getting upset at them for making fun of X, Y, and Z that yeah. South Park makes fun of. And what the creator, Trey one of the creators, Trey Parker, what he said is he's always confused because to him he feels like people people always get annoyed at them because they laugh at serious things. But just because you laugh at something doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. Mm. And it's a very it sounds like a ridiculous statement. Like, of course you're laughing at something, so you're not taking it seriously. But you can laugh at, you can laugh at death, you can laugh at tragedies, because that is comedy. Comedy is dealing with tragedy. It's, yeah. I mean, it, one, of the, one of the fundamental theories of what is funny is tragedy plus time. Like something that happens. Really? Okay. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about that. It's a really what? fascinating state. Yeah, time. yeah. No, so it's, it's like one of the basis of um, humor is that something that is bad plus time will become funny. Okay. And so, for example, let's take one of the most basic forms of humor, slapstick, yeah. slapstick comedy, which is when someone gets injured, yeah. right? That was one of the most primal, ancient versions of comedy. There are black and white, that's why black and white films are slapstick, like Buster yeah. Keaton. And it basically all that is is someone getting hurt and you laughing. And you're laughing at that person getting hurt with the knowledge that they're not actually hurt and that it's so far removed from you that it's not actually a tragedy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's also it's like some people think at the heart of every joke, there is uh, someone who's lost out, someone yeah. who's experienced tragedy. So, for example, even like even any, any joke, for example, so like, um, okay, knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's that? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's that? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? See, that's a joke. That's a joke. And it's Is a... it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's, that's, a, that's a joke yeah, that yeah. people you tell on, like, playgrounds. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that is a joke that you think breaks that rule. Because... Yeah. Who's suffering there? What are you making fun of that suffering, right? Yeah. But in, in that, that is funny because I've wasted your time. Yeah. Like, I've made you think I'm going to do a conventional joke. Yeah. But I've wasted your time and made you the loser of that joke. Yeah. So at the heart of a lot of funny things, there is someone who is losing out. That's why it's like one of the most basic forms of comedy that like kids develop is making fun of other people. Yeah. It's teasing people because that person is funny to them and obviously that's not good but it's very difficult to tell a joke when no one is being made fun of yeah even as a stand-up comedian the easiest bread and butter is to make fun of yourself yeah to comment about yourself your appearance your childhood that is the most basic thing because no one can be offended because you're making fun of you so yeah. it's like some it's like 
that's one of the theories that someone has to lose out and that connects to the idea of tragedy plus time because we find things that are, we find things funny because someone is losing out or experiencing tragedy but it's easier for us to find them funny when it's been so long or it's so far removed from us that we no longer experience the tragic part of it but we still see the someone losing out yeah. Yeah. No. I, 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 that's that's a very good explanation. That's mm. a really good good explanation, and, it, and I think it ties into medicine as well. It's the tragedy plus time is mm. is no, um, very interesting. It's and yeah, and I think that's why perhaps there is a connection between medics and comedians because if you're able to accept tragedy, yeah, if you're able to sit in that like this is unpleasant, life is unpleasant, let's laugh. Mm. which doctors and comics share together, I, I think it makes for good joke writing and being a good doctor. Yeah. I mean, it, comedy is, is so rife in, in hospitals. Like, mm. people are constantly making jokes, not always about patients, but no, about, their particular, always, about the particular predicament. It's, it's, just a, it's just a funny place. And I remember I was speaking um, to uh, a couple of people and we were talking about medical reviews, like review shows for medical schools. Yeah. Um, in the university environment, reviews were really, really common. Yeah. Every department had a review where they would make fun of their subject, their their their, their teachers, their lecturers, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's only really medicine that's really, really retained that. Interesting. Um, because because I don't know, medicine and comedy go hand in hand. Yeah, maybe. that's really interesting. Yeah, and also there's the other part of like medicine's heart. Yeah. So you need levity to make it easier. Yeah. Like some of the funniest people I know are nurses that I've met in the break room on HCA shifts. Yeah. It's like that needing a break from a difficult shift is a good reason to become funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So we're talking a little bit about comedy and tragedy. Um, do comics tend to be depressed? I know mean, there's, 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 I've read a few articles about. Um, comedians and and mental health and there's there's certainly a link between um, people in comedy and depression yeah yeah I mean it's such it's a trope the depressed comedian yeah it definitely the sad clown the sad clown exactly it's a trope but it's kind of true like it's strange because Every like the comedians I know, I know a lot of comedians who are just normal fine people. Or I don't know them well enough to have an, like an introspection into them. But I also know a lot who openly talk about self harming themselves with children. Yeah. And the majority of the people I've met in my personal life who are mentally ill, so depressed or bipolar, have been comedians. Mm. And I don't know what that means, but it's just it's definitely something that I've noticed and I, I, I think it pro- it might have something to do with being a creative person that uh, you tend towards being depressed but also as well like uh, in the way I speak I speak very highly of comedians and mm. stand up and yeah. all that but at the end of the day what you're doing as a stand up comedian is kind of is not necessarily mentally healthy Mm. If you actually think about it, because I only realize what uh, being why people do comedy when I met famous comedians and I realized, oh, this is what this is, because I think 
fundamentally what a lot of comedians share is that they re- they feel like they don't necessarily belong anywhere. Not that they're outcasts. Mm. Not It's never the outcast, the kid in the corner who has no friends. It's a person who feels like they have loads of individual friends, but no cohesive group that they necessarily belong to. Yeah. And I think what comedy does is doing stand-up gives you that immediate acceptance. Yeah. So if you make a room of people laugh, you belong in that group. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people who are comedians have, is they feel a sense of belonging when they're doing stand-up. And it gets to the point where if what ends up happening with a lot of people with the depressed side of it is that a lot of people who are comedians end up um, using stand-up as a way to um, to show their self-worth. Yeah. So if you do well, you're great. If you do badly, you're not great. And I felt myself falling into that trap as well. But I'm fortunate that I have other stuff that I do, that yeah. my life isn't just... Stand-up. So it's almost like your social life was you being a stand-up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And also, like, you, if your social life is comedy, your friends know about the bad gig you had. So it's you also care so much about how well you do because it's something you really, really love. Yeah. So it's like, I, I would describe it as, like, for no anyone who's never done stand-up or never done well at stand-up or done comedy or performed... Imagine that feeling when you make a group of your friends laugh. Imagine mm. how good that feels. And then multiply that by the amount of people in the room. That it, People who do stand-up are not doing it necessarily all the time because they enjoy it. It's because it feels good. And that almost plugs a hole in that depression mood that they might have. But then you also have some comedians who are completely well-adjusted normal people. So it's like... There's there's no there's no one set of person. Like I know comedians who have families, they're completely happy, well adjusted, they do a gig, they smash it, they go home to their kids and then that's the end of it. It's so there's no one comedian, but it's just interesting that it fills a gap for some people that they can't find in their social lives. How do you see your life panning out in medicine and, and comedy? Do you see them as one and the same or it's it's difficult because I think um I love medicine and I love the idea of being a doctor and I love being a medical student. Like, I do. I find it so interesting, the mentality of medical students. It's one of the most fascinating things and funniest things in the entire world because I meet comedians who do stand-up, who hate aspects of stand-up. Mm. but they would never ever trade any part of it yeah but when i'm talking to my medical student friends i we almost have a joke where when we're talking about medicine and people are complaining and complaining because i live in a house of medics yeah everyone's complaining i'll say something like well this is our dream and we chose it because it's kind of funny to think this thing that makes everyone so tired and frustrated is the thing that we always dreamt of doing that I think comedians have a better ability to keep that dream still in focus whereas medical students seem to see a lot of the negative and never talk about the positive well I guess we have this sort of self-deprecating humour isn't it yeah it's like 
you know, a relatively pri- privileged position of hearing people's stories and being able to start treatments and to that, that really change people's lives. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But we love to complain. Exactly, we complain about it so much. And it's so strange because I'm like, are you complaining because you actually find this frustrating? Or are you complaining because you just need to vent? Yeah. Like, and if, because on the outside... It appears... This is a very long answer to your question, by the way. We'll get there eventually. But on the outside, it appears as if you have a group of people who complain about stuff all the time. A specific thing all the time, but they never do anything about it. They yeah. just stay in the treadmill of medicine forever. Because I would say, in for me internally, I know, even though I complain about a lot of it, I still love it. I love understanding the human body. I love the endless, the endless nature of the task like there's no there's no end to how much you can know about the human body and that's crazy to me that something so finite actually has so much information that no one person could ever understand mm-hmm. and i really enjoy that but it's the same with comedy though isn't it yeah. no, no one can be the perfect comic exactly and it, it's always changing exactly. it, i guess in the same way medicine and comedy are both ever evolving disciplines exactly exactly and the best doctor of one age would not be the best doctor of another age yeah. and the best stand-up comedian of one age would not be the de- best stand-up comedian of another age like it it evolves because 50 years ago the best stand-up comedian would have been someone who was taught telling racist and sexist jokes 50 years ago the best doctor would was have probably been still telling racist, racist and sexist <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly but all, yeah, they were they were paternalistic people telling and saying ridiculous stuff. Yeah, um, and that's not someone who we would want as a good doctor. Like even ten years ago, whatever House MD would have been. That's what I want my doctor to be. But yeah, post COVID, now when there's so much expected of doctors, I can't see someone wanting that robot as yeah. their physician. Yeah, but yeah, like in terms of what I think I'm going to do, I. I think I need to see what being a doctor is before I make a decision. Yeah. I think the thing that frustrates me is that when you're a doctor, you're just a, you're, you're just a doctor. And some, a lot of the time. I mean, I know this podcast is basically trying to abandon that entire notion. But <laughs> <laughs> so me saying this is not ideal here. But when you're, when you're a doctor, a lot of people see themselves as just a doctor. Like, they shouldn't, but that's what they see themselves as. They see themselves as, I am a doctor, this is me, this is my identity. And I want, if I am a, I don't want to live, like, a life where I have to do that with anything. So Mm. if medicine allows me to be a doctor, but also other things, then I'd want to stay as a doctor. Is laughter the best medicine? (laughs) Is laughter the best medicine? Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> of course it is. It's the only medicine. Who needs rabbit? <laughs> but, but, uh, it's interesting though, because it's like, the more we learn about the human body, it's almost like, yes, mm-hmm. like, because from doing, like, I know this, uh, this lady in Bristol, she's a comedian and she's a promoter. She works for the uni. Her mm-hmm. name is Angie Belcher. 
and she uh, works for the, she's a comedian but she works for the uni like with a psychology department or something mm. and she's starting this thing where basically she's going to take people who have experienced trauma so that's a p a ptsd or who've had like who not don't necessarily have a, a specific diagnosis but would need something like counseling and she takes those people and she gives them stand up comedy courses so she lets them take their story and turn it, find the humor out of it as a way of like healing. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and she's been on BBC News, she's been like in The Guardian, so she's been written about loads. It's like a, literally a new thing that started like a few weeks ago. And I don't know how it's going, but I think the more we learn about the connection between the mind and the body, the more we realize that a lot of, a lot of health is your mood and how optimistic you are about how good your life will be and if you are so fixed in your misery that you're not able to see the humor out of things and i think it will have an effect on your health yeah it's sort of breaking that cycle of negative automatic thoughts exactly exactly it's then that's mindfulness you know i I feel this way therefore i behave this way therefore i act this way therefore i feel this way exactly you know once you're able to to see the humor in it um, you break that cycle. Basically, what the humor does is it lets you be, it, it lets you view what you are doing, or yeah. view because like observational comedy comedians make fun of the news, they make fun of their relationships, and to do that, you kind of have to have an objectivity and yeah. kind of a distant version of yourself watching yourself. So it's like if you are have a humorous outlook on your life, you're less you're probably less willing to do stuff that would be self-destructive. Yeah, and you take yourself less seriously. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think and I think what, honestly, I would say, like, kind of connected to that point is the thing that I find really interesting is that I, I haven't met loads of famous comedians and the ones that I have, most of them have been on Zoom. But the ones I've interacted with, what I find really crazy is that they're so normal. Like, mm. they're so... Such normal people, like they're some of them are bigger than life, it's kinder, but a lot of the time they're just like people you would expect to just bump into on the street. And I think, personally, I think it's because you can't be a good comedian and be a celebrity who's so like not self aware. Because mm. to be a comedian, you have to be self aware about the world, yeah. make fun of it, and self aware about yourself. So if you're not those things, it won't make you a massive comedian. So I think, I, I think that self-awareness could definitely help towards improving your health. Uh, just one last question. Have you got any Spotify playlist recommendations for, for, of comics for, the, for a dark hour? A dark hour? <laughs> Spotify playlist recommendations. I would say Spotify is... Spotify is actually a really good resource for comedy because like back in the day before Netflix and HBO and Amazon Prime people used to release podcasts people used to release their um, specials as albums Mm. so you can find Chris Rock's um, album Bigger and Blacker you can find Dave Chappelle's stuff you can find any basically any comedian even the ones that existed in the 80s you can find their um, their albums what I would say, I would recommend, if you want a peer into what you were saying about the depressed comedian, 
one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. I doubt anyone listening to this has actually heard about him, but he's massive. He was massive in America. His name is Richard Pryor. Um, yeah, and I love I love the nod. Um, and he, I think a lot of people know his name, but a lot of people in the UK don't necessarily know him that well. And I kind of linking to what you were saying about the depressed comic. He was a guy who was, his mother was a prostitute. Mm. He was raised in a brothel. And he was addicted to crack cocaine and heroin throughout his life. And then he became the father of stand-up comedy, basically. And he, just listening to him talk, is crazy. So if you want to peer into that, like, bridge between mental health and humour, listen to Richard Pryor. Like, live from Sunset Boulevard or live and smoking are on Spotify. You can listen to them at any time. I recommend them. Absolutely. Brilliant. Any final words for um, aspiring doctors, aspiring comics, or like yourself, aspiring doctor comics? (laughs) What I would say as general advice, as someone who is a sage and has figured out life in its entirety, (laughs) I would say don't ever, ever be one thing. Because I... What I've learned in the last year from COVID, and I'm still learning, is that it's so easy to fall into the trap of life. Like, I don't mean to quote a philosopher on a medical podcast, but John Paul Sartre had this concept called bad faith, which is basically where you you relate yourself to the job that you do. Your entire identity is the job that you do. This is the story of the waiter, isn't it? Yes, the waiter. Sartre's waiter, exactly. So that's so a waiter who's like, I must be a good waiter. I must have a great apron. That's bad faith. And I think even though I love them and I love the profession, a profession of people who have the highest bad faith are doctors. Mm. And you don't have to. I, as far as I can see, you don't have to just see yourself as I am doctor. I am a surgeon. This is all I've ever wanted to do. This is all I am. And I would say just try and be something else outside of your job. Because if your job isn't going well, then your life isn't going well and you need something else outside of it. But, you know, if your job is going great and you're enjoying it and you don't want to listen to anything I'm saying, then please don't because I'm 23. But, but, yeah, that would be, the for me, the best advice I've ever gotten from a 25-year-old RE teacher. Thank you very much. Ricky Misindo, everybody. Thank you.